know, today my travels to and from the office have been fully flanked by the cast of the Mind Rails. Because on my way in this morning, late as I was, I stepped onto the subway, and who was there but Susie Maynard, you know? And said, hey, how's it going? I'm already grumpy and out of it because I'm like so bloody late, and the platform is packed, but there's Sue. And then, of course, you know, we're coming back here to record the show, so I get you on the way back. The end of it all, of course, is that I got no pages read today. Aww. You know, because you guys and your friendly selves. It's disgusting. Your, it's, yeah. I hate it. You know, you ever, you ever get that? You're just kind of like there, minding your own business, and you run into somebody on your way yeah. in? Yeah. Every time? day. Oh, you don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> People just kind of, hey, there's two. They sit down and talk to you. I want to finish my book. <laughs> you want to say, it's getting to a good part. Yeah. You need bigger headphones. That's, okay. that's I do. do need bigger headphones. Yeah. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 156 on the Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast of your movie-loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. We're back home today. We're doing the full works after a few episodes of getting in some quick conversations and having drinks as we talk. Um, we're, we're going back to uh, to what we do best, to, to what we do anyway. Um, and uh, as you just heard, we're, we're bringing family back on the show. Um, good friend of mine who, I gotta tell you, good folks, uh, one of the best parts of my day is uh, wandering on down to the receiving department and having these long conversations <laughs> about why this movie's awesome or why that movie sucks or why he's wrong or why I'm wrong. Um, and of course, uh, that's that sort of thing leads to him becoming a four-time guest on the show. So we welcome back tonight um, part of the brains behind the Mind Reels mm. um, and the Mind Reels podcast. Uh, and you guys, um, you just did some some swell uh, Comic Con coverage. We did for Canadian Comic Con. Yeah. Um, that is Tim Rideout. Welcome to the show, sir. Again, this again. Is yeah, it's becoming like an annual thing. You <laughs> well, know? it's supposed to be like what every forty-two episodes. So I think I'm early. You you are. You're a little early. You know. <laughs> you, well, it was when you were griping about you didn't know if you were sold on Ghostbusters. I was like, well, well gotta gotta bump them up. Uh, yeah. So, um, Enough said on that. <laughs> easy. <laughs> on episode 156, we will be discussing Jeff Nichols' Midnight Special. We will be flipping the record over to play the other side. But before that, we need to learn more about Tim. This is Know Your Enemy. Oh no. Tim first appeared on episode 46 where we discussed The Raid. We learned the first movie he'd ever seen was Jaws. The last movie he'd seen at the time was Bully. The worst movie he'd ever seen was Pearls of Gwendolyn in the Land of the Yik Yak. That was so bad. <laughs> you say that every time. Uh, the Unseen Massacre Essential was the work of Woody Allen. He's seen them. He did mm -hmm. some of them. Uh, and the film he wished he made was Raiders of the Lost Ark. He next appeared on episode 97, where we discussed Captain Phillips. The film he likes that nobody else does is The Black Hole. The film everybody else digs that he does not is The Dark Knight Rises and Man of Steel. I stand by that. I, I, that's fine. <laughs> uh, the movie that always makes him cry is Up. The mm. movie of, in the movie of his life, he would be played by either Simon Pegg or Grant Ballard. And the movie he was watching next was We Are What We Are. Yeah. Finally... On episode 137, where we did the nice little Mad Max circuit. That was such a great episode. That was, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, I, I'm still trying to forget about Thunderdome, but that's okay. We've moved on. No, two men enter. No. <laughs> In concept, it's wonderful. In execution, not so much. We learned the film that made his love of film turn a corner with Citizen Kane because it was overanalyzed in school. Uh, his first date movie was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. His sick day movie is the Star Wars Marathon, which you now you now have a new entry into that. So you know your sick day movie could be The Force Awakens for quite some time. Could be, or I could just start at Rebels. What well, you know, do all the Clone Wars and Rebels, and there's so much. Yeah, there. so much. The movie to leave him speechless was Attacking the Devil, because uh, we were around hot dogs time last year, and uh, right. you know we're back around hot dogs this time. We are. And his epitaph would be Second Star to the Right and Straight On Till Morning. Or, um, you know, four. I really am regularly handsome. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Round four. Timothy, this is a movie that you really dig, but you never want to watch again. See, I tried to think about this. I spent a good hour and a half yesterday trying to think about that and I've seen a lot of movies that I like 
that I would never see again. But there's nothing that I really dig that I would okay. never see again. Like, uh, I can finally say I've seen Gone with the Wind. Okay. Am I glad I saw it? Absolutely. Will I watch it again? No chance. Okay. <laughs> so, that, you know what? Like, that's that's a good one. Um, the, like, that that's a movie that's really kind of had the boots taken to it over the last year or two. I think so. Yeah. I, I long said that it's a film that is technically incredible. Oh, the, the model work and the scenery and all, the costume design, everything. Yeah, it's, it's but incredible. the story is just so melodramatic tripe. Well, it's not even just that, yeah. but it's a story that's romanticizing the losing oh, yeah. side of a racist yeah. war, yeah. right? It's not even that it's romanticizing the losing side of a Ooh. war, because there are lots of great stories that tell the story of the losing side of a right. war, and, and really and truly, in war, everybody thinks they're right. Yes, they do. Um, but you can't... You want it, It's hard to get over that yeah. now, and on top of that, it becomes even harder... With with everything that's gone on in the last few years in America, sure, and the whole fact that Scarlett O'Hara as a character is just not likable. Well, there's there's that, and it's not even that she's unlikable in a really great way. She's a twit. Yeah, she's a spoiled brat. She's a brat, and that's the thing. Like, it's not like she's an antihero. If she was an antihero, I can get behind yeah. it. But um, but still, it's kind of funny because like you think, you know, the fire of Atlanta. I'm like, oh man, like I think of the, yeah. I, I can imagine those scenes in my yeah. head or the. The carnage after, like when they're laying out all the bodies. Sure, yeah, yeah, it, it's an incredible thing to see, mm-hmm. but you almost you 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 it still leaves you with this bad taste. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you just watched that one just because you were like, uh, did you watch for a purpose? Of, or? Yeah, the the list I'm working my way through. Okay, the, uh, the book, great movies, 100 years of film. How how many more movies do you have to go? Lots. Okay, <laughs> like are you working through it chronologically or just no? It's there's ten chapters. Each chapter is a genre. Mm-hmm. Within each chapter, there are ten titles that are the best of the genre. Right. And then for each title, there are five recommendations. Oh, my God. So it's like, if you like this, watch these. So that's so a So you have a of list movies. of 500 movies? At least. Okay. Mm. Godspeed. I'm enjoying it. Uh, Mr. Ryder, what's the film that genuinely freaked you out? Oh, that's so easy. This one just popped into my head, too. Okay. The Descent, when I saw it. For the first time, ah, the descent. freaked me right out because okay, it's got that balance of creepy, you know, monsters in the caves, but also that claustrophobia. Oh, it's um. So that was one. Did you watch? Did you get to see that in a theater, or did you see that at home? No, I saw that at home in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Are you claustrophobic? I didn't think I was. Okay, but you know, but I I tend to have problems with like you know, crowds and. and people pushing in against so me. That's, so that's yes. So maybe a little bit. But it might okay. just be that I don't like people. Uh, well, you know, you are a bastard. So there, <laughs> yeah, there's, there is that. I am a bastard. Um, I got recommended that one when I was really trying to get my um, my film literacy where horror was concerned mm. a few I years ago. Yeah, I remember I'm, that. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm nicely versed now. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't get me wrong. I'm not an expert or nothing Suspiria? like that. I saw it, loved it. That's, right? that's and that's the thing. Like people recommended me like a lot of different things. So I saw some schlocky eighty stuff. Of I saw you some did. classic gothic stuff. Yeah. I saw, you know, this newer brand. I, I did. See, I saw Saw. So I saw yeah. like the original point of entry on torture porn, mm-hmm. which has kind of gone off into its own thing. Yeah. But as an original entry, I'm like, yeah, this is really really interesting, and I can see how it would get promoted. Oh, totally. But one and one of those was the descent. Is there a moment in the movie that really gets you more than the others? It's been a while since I've watched it. I just well because it, it scares you too much. Well, I don't know if it scares me too much because now I just love watching it. It would still freak me out, but I love watching it. But there's a part I think where one of the girls is, is going through a little tunnel and the tunnel gets tighter and tighter and she's and she literally gets stuck and you know something is coming up behind her. Like, yeah, that just freaks me out. So. That's the thing, too. It, it wouldn't come up ahead of you. No, of course not. It's got to come from behind you. Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> that's the rule. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I dig that movie a lot, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I could throw it on just for kicks. Um, I made it through it okay. That was, that was not one that really, really nailed me that hard. Um, okay, so the other side of the coin is, what is the film that always makes you laugh? Oh, man. That could be oh, so many. Like Always a, though, because that's oh, the yeah. thing that I find is yeah. hard. Is it's, I'm an easy mark when it comes to watching a film the first time, mm-hmm. but to get me to laugh every, every time, time is trickier. Um, it would come down to two. No, three of them. Okay, it would come down to three of them. Uh, Shaun of the Dead, 
every time. <laughs> every time. Because I'll, I'll say the dialogue and I'll make myself laugh. Sure. Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Okay, yeah, yeah. And then Big Lebowski. Every, and it's the same thing with Shaun of the Dead, is because I know the dialogue so well that I'll say the dialogue, and of course the dialogue brings back memories of how I used to do it with my friends. So it's not just the movie anymore, it's the movie plus the context of my own you life. You weren't allowed to watch Lebowski at the video store, were you? No, but we talked about it all the oh, time. Oh, okay, I was going to say, because that's got a few too many uh, oh, yeah. curses in it. Um, those are those great, like, quote-along movies Shaun of the Dead especially oh, man, I love that movie. well all, okay like Lebowski's kind of taken on a, a mantle unto itself which is yeah. which is nuts because that is a movie that was just like clobbered right when it came yeah. out I mean you know I saw it but I don't think anybody else <laughs> exactly. not at the time um well, Brother Where Art Thou is um that's one that was on TV a lot for a while sure. there and it's that's got a lot of great lines, and of course it's got the great music. Oh, I love that music. Um, I'm trying to like, I don't know if that one always makes me laugh though. It does from because it's just Clooney's delivery just gets me every time. And then Goodman <laughs> as the ogre basically from right, uh, and just whacking people with the stick. All of it just makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> Were you a boy, Smithies? Okay, yeah, yeah, there it is. Okay, <laughs> um, is there a moment in uh, in Shaun of the Dead that gets you more than others? Um. Yeah. What's that? The Batman soundtrack. Throw it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Batman soundtrack. Um, you, you know what it is that gets me actually every time is when he's looking through the mail slot and he's looking around for, for the zombie. Oh wait, no, there they are. And his like, and his eyes kind of bug a little bit too. And then and the camera just pans over and it's just really you know really really dry. From all of them. I love it. That's oh yeah, that, that's fine. okay. So all right, much. yeah, I, I get you. I probably laugh a lot at that one too. Uh, well, speaking of, what is your favorite movie soundtrack? Oh, see, now and going... you listen to them a lot. I do, and I spent, like I said, I spent a good hour thinking about this the other day. Are we talking soundtracks or are we talking score? Well, considering you've cheated on almost every other question, why Jeez. don't you cheat on this one too? All right. Well, score gets really technical. Then I mean, on a number, <laughs> number of ways, soundtrack. It's a 75 minute show, man. Okay, alright. Uh, soundtrack, that's tough because it depends on the mood I'm in. Because I'm a sucker for the original Footloose soundtrack. I'm okay. a sucker for that soundtrack. Alright, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when I grew up in Bermuda, um, 1987, I had my own scooter and I would listen to the Lost Boys soundtrack over uh, and over okay, and over okay. again. And that one track, Lost in the Shadows, is yeah. like an eight minute track by Lee Graham. <laughs> I would just crank it on my headset under my helmet, which you should not, not do. do. This is yeah, not we, an endorsement. We do not, we, yeah, we do not <laughs> agree with that. And I would that. go along Harbor Road, and it's just, it's pitch black. And so you got this music drum in your head, and it's just a pitch black drive. I'm like, this is wicked. So, you know, stuff like that. But, okay. you know, for soundtracks. I'll give you a score. What are you give a score to? I think if I have to pick just one score, excluding anything John Williams has done. <laughs> That's a lot, but <laughs> okay. Know. Um, well, I think my favorite score is probably Goldsmith's score for Star Trek The Motion Picture. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, love yeah. that score. It's um, the only score that's completely on my phone. No, that's not true. Force Awakens is on there, too. Which, I gotta get that soundtrack. I keep forgetting. Yeah. Crap. Lost Boys. Nobody's, well, no, you know, we, we haven't got this question too many times, but nobody's mentioned Lost Boys. Oh, Lost Boys. I kind of almost feel like that's a soundtrack that's getting lost to time. Like, not totally to, not to take that pun. Um... And there's some cool stuff on it. Like, that's the one that's got the Echo and the Bunny Men covering yeah. the doors. Covering the doors. There's excesses on there. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Lou Graham is on there. I feel like that, that's also the one where you put it on, and that first song is so distinct that everybody in the room, if they've okay. heard it, would be like, yeah. And oh, I can't remember who it is, but I think is, it might be Roger Waters covers the Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Mm. Oh, oh, man. Wow. Yeah, no, no, that's that's a good one. I, I, yeah. I, I'll have to find a spot where I can drop in some Lost Boys music on the yeah. show. That might be the the exit music for this show, uh, in your in your honor. A little um, cry, little sister. A little bit. <laughs> uh, last but not least, what's a movie you dig that nobody else has heard of? Oh, see, and I couldn't come up with one. Come on, I tried. You like, watch so many movies. I do. You got to be able to come up with I something. Dig all of them. Because I could, I could throw out a couple titles, but everybody knows them now because of these lists I'm working my way through. Okay. You know, like, uh, I just, I dug this film. I didn't love it, but no, I dug okay, it as I watched it. it. Okay. Um, because of, uh, the genre I'm in right now is thriller. Okay. So the movie was Night of the Hunter with Robert Mitchum. 
I've seen that. Wow. One. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. A lot of people have heard of that one. And so. one of the recommendations. For oh, okay. So you're oh, you're still okay. Keep was, going. Sorry, uh, I'm, I'm jumping your story. Was from 1950 called Gun Crazy, which I had never heard of. Okay, so tell me about this movie. And it's about this. Uh, it's this guy's. I mean, he's a marksman. He's got. He's got. And they only cover it for the first half of the film. Is it a western? Is it a gangster no, movie? What is it? A drama? It like tries just... to be a gangster movie. Okay. But uh, he's got... It's almost a fetish for guns. He okay. loves his guns. Okay. And he's a great shot. Can't meet a girl. Finally meets this girl at a local fair who's a sharpshooter. Huh. So the two of them just click. But she's a little dark. She's a little perverse. And decides that, yeah, she wants the finer things in life, so we should probably rob Banks and it's it's very Bonnie and Clyde okay. before Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, yeah. So and it's it's almost noir, almost. Could have gone a little darker and it could have covered the whole gun passion a little more. But I was just like, this is kind of cool. Anybody in it that? Uh... Uh, oh my god, I just had his name. Um, he was in Rope. He played uh, Brandon. John Dahl. That's it. And Peggy Cummins. Yeah. And she's really directed cute. by Joseph Lewis. Yeah. Well-meaning crack shot husband is pressured by his beautiful marksman wife to go on an interstate robbery spree where he finds out just how depraved and deadly she really is. I need to see this movie now. I absolutely need to see this movie. Um, and you see, that's the cool thing is when you go down these little rabbit holes, you know, like I, 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 it, it's cool to kind of get sidetracked. Totally. You know, and, and instead of checking off all the boxes, be like, well, now I'm going to go over here. Yeah. And then, oh, no, that's, that's awesome. Okay. Gun crazy. Nice call, man. All right. Um, well, there we go. we got about 50 or so episodes before we learn more about Tim, but uh, that's him for okay. now. We are going to go on to the new slang for this episode, which is Midnight Special. Um, our conversation is going to be a little bit spoilerific. Um, I don't really think it's a film you need to see completely stone cold. Um, it just, you know, it, it's it's a movie by a director that I just think you should go see their movies anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, just before one, we're going to get a little bit spoilerific, but not give the whole game away when we talk about Midnight Special right after this. Special is directed and written by Jeff Nichols. Uh, stars Michael Shannon, Joel Edgerton, Kirsten Dunst, Adam Driver, Sam Shepard, and a young man by the name of Jaden Lieber. It's the story of Alton Meyer. That's Lieber. Uh, he's a young boy who's gifted. More on that in a moment. When we meet him, he's on the land with his father, Roy, that's Michael Shannon, and his associate, Lucas. That's Joel Edgerton. I should specify it's Roy's associate, not Alton's <laughs> associate. We're not dead certain where they're headed exactly, only along the way that the plan is to rally up with Alton's mother, Sarah. That's Kirsten Dunst. And we also know that Alton has been taken from the custody of a New Age cult headed by Calvin Meyer. That's Sam Shepard. And they want him back. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because, as we said, Alton is gifted. He has the ability to bring down walls. Uh, He can wilt healthy plant life and can even cause things to fall from the sky. All these abilities are enough to make the American government take notice, too, especially an NSA agent named Paul Sevier. That's Adam Driver. Mm -hmm. There's a movie that evokes memories of a lot of other movies. Mm -hmm. Looper, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Carrie, just to name a few. And when I thought about this movie and its place in those, I got to thinking about how they come back to rural settings mm-hmm. or suburban tricks, sure. leaving me to wonder if there's something to that when it comes to sci-fi. So, pop quiz, Hotshot. I do it. <clears throat> what is it about small towns and rural settings that makes them so ripe for sci-fi stories? Oh, it's easy. Okay. Because... You take something that somebody knows so well, you ground it in their reality. Like E.T., especially something like E.T., was set in suburbia. Pol- Poltergeist is the same thing. Yeah. It's set in suburbia. It's something everybody's familiar with, everybody recognizes, everybody can relate to it. And then you go sideways. But why can't you do that in a city? Like, that's the thing. Is that one, like you said, like with Poltergeist and with, and with E.T. and with everything, you, you know, you're trying to say that they wouldn't work nearly as well if you set no. them in... in 
Chicago. Hell no. Really? Yeah. Why? Not everybody lives in a city, right? But everybody can relate to suburbia. But I feel like people... Well, yeah, okay, so... It's not like I don't think people can imagine like what a city is like. Oh, but yeah. but you're, what you're saying is the reality of living in a city is not the romance that people who visit it do. You yeah. know? Like people who yeah. go to New York... Like, even yeah. like, you know, when I go to New York for a weekend, it's not the same as the reality yeah, of the living there every single day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um... That's not a bad idea. Okay, that, that, that could be, so you take something fantastical and you set and you yeah, you wrap put it, it in something every day and then you make it extraordinary. Okay, we basically we need to completely upset the apple cart. We need to go somewhere where, you know, you always hear these stories about this is a nice community. Stuff mm-hmm. like this doesn't yeah. happen here. Like usually it's wrapped around something terrible. You need to do that. You need to yeah. go somewhere where like the most exciting thing to happen all year is like a traffic accident on the highway. Sure. And really throw them for a loop, yeah. and then see what happens because you'll really get the lay of who they are. Mm-hmm. That's my thought. It's a good thought. Oh, okay, I, 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 I thought it was crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, now I, I talked to you a little bit about this before I even got to see it, so uh, I, I kind of know that you dig the movie. Mm-hmm. But what did you think of uh, Midnight Special when you uh, when you saw it a few weeks ago? Well, and and you said you don't necessarily have to go in cold, and I went in cold. Okay, I had just literally seen the trailer. Me too. That's all so, I knew. For me going in, I didn't know right off the bat that Michael Shannon was his dad. Okay. All, all we got at the beginning is like, there's an Amber Alert, this kid's been abducted. I'm like, okay. So I'm piecing everything together as you watch it. Mm-hmm. And you don't get the reveal that he's his dad till maybe at the end of the first act or whatever. Yeah. It, I mean, it comes fairly early, but like until then you're like, okay, he's not abducted because he's, there's an actual relationship with the kid. What is the relationship and all that? I love puzzling all that out. And there's a nice... Once again, there's a gritty reality to it that establishes the reality first of this world, mm-hmm. and then it goes sideways. Yeah, which I love stuff like that. So I I was blown away. Like I was I was anxious for the first half of it because I'm like, okay, it's really gritty, it's really gritty. I'm not quite sure where they're going in the end. And then when you hit that final act, and the wonder starts happening, I'm like, okay, this is. You've, you've earned it because you've made me you've established all this gritty reality and now you've earned this step into the wondrous for me which where, is awesome where are you at with Jeff Nichols did you see Shotgun Stories Mud and Take Shelter Any I've of seen the above? Mud okay I would definitely recommend the others yeah. and it's it's crazy because that's that's the difference in, in how you approach it and how I did because like I knew about as much as you did maybe even less mm-hmm. and I just went because it's like Here's a guy where I like his other movies. Yeah. He's got a new movie. Off I go. Uh, I'll see it. Yeah. yeah, you know. Oh, he's you know. It's got Michael Shannon again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Twist I my arm a little harder. Really, don't that. you? Yeah. I um, it's kind of crazy because I like this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't love it. Okay. Um, and it's mostly just when I kind of think about it in relationship to his other movies, which I know that's not really fair. Right. Um, be, but it just it is what it is. Um, that Jeff Nichols has come along and become this guy. All of his stories mm-hmm. are set in this same kind of area of the American South, like very working class, yeah. very like romanticizing um, places that you'd see off the highway. Like mm-hmm. he never really gets. It's not like he goes out there and he does some Terrence Malick shit where he really, really beautifies yeah. up the land. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's it's it's, it's all really. In, it's yeah. all in yeah. It's, it's all dirty. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, all of his movies have a certain le- layer of grime yeah. to them, which is just the kind of layer of grime that you would just see in any yeah. small town in North America. Um, so I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it the same way I love Take Shelter or I love Mud or that kind of thing, but I, I really, really dug it. Um, and I think what I like most about it is it's another sci-fi story about the the parallel between like sci-fi, like first... like. First contact mm-hmm. and parenting. Yep. You know, because like you said, so we don't know, we don't really know that he's, that, that uh, Alton is Roy's son for a while. Yeah. And what's more, I actually didn't realize that Roy is the uh, the cult leader's son. Yeah. Until like I was preparing right? for this show. <laughs> I didn't, okay, that, that that's like, you know, not to jump ahead too far, but that would be one of my little beefs is that is not explored. 
Did like did, are, am I, am there, I, no? There was there was a couple moments, and I love well one. Let's get out there. Love that Sam Shepard was the cult. Oh yeah, I love that. It's crazy because I I don't see myself as one who would go for a cult, but I would follow Sam Shepard. Possibly. Yes. <laughs> but and then you know he's there for like the first maybe good half of the film, and then that story thread's just kind of dropped left, and I'm yeah. like. I get why it was left, but I'm like, that's Sam Shepard, man. You want to use Sam Shepard. And I wanted to find out more about the cults. I was I was yeah. fascinated by how they kind of latched on and changed who they were to worship all of them. And, yeah. And the numbers and, and the words. And I'm like, because that first time where he reads whatever off and everybody cites back the numbers, I just kind of like... What is going like, on? Yeah, like, yeah, like I'm getting chills thinking yeah. about it, and it's a scene early on. We we start basically with this cult. We start with their with their service, and at first it seems like it's just going to be a Christian service because right. everybody's dressed very Puritan, like yeah. the the long hair, the long dresses. Yeah. Um, and he gets up there, and it seems very Christian, and it like it, it kind of feels like he's saying a Bible scripture. And I think he says. He starts it off with like a book. It's like it's like from Paul too or something. Yeah, like, and he gives a date. Yeah, it, it, it feeds it, it, for for a second. It's like, oh, this is a Bible verse, yeah. and then he says something that's like not at all biblical. They're calling back to him, and then they just right. start into a bunch of numbers. Um, yeah, it's it's really you know, and we don't really know, and eventually we figure out that it's all surrounding Alton, mm-hmm. and. I don't feel like I don't know that it goes far enough with that because eventually we kind of drift away from it. Yeah, I wanted a little more of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that. You know, you're running that. You know, an hour and it was like an hour and forty five minutes, and maybe they had to lose some stuff. And like, I would have, I would have dug some more on that. And it's I, like I, I almost want a prequel. Yeah, based on that alone. Even but, just a book. Um, Give me a book. Well, and not only <laughs> that, but you know, we we landed here by talking about parenting. So we've got here's you know here's a guy Sam Shepard is the father of Michael Shannon. Mm-hmm. Not at all explored in this movie. Are they even in a scene together? No, they don't even share a scene together. So what the hell? And then that ending. Maybe he's not. It's well. <laughs> there's you know like they have now. Here's the thing too is that it could just be in name only because mm-hmm. Calvin Meyer could very well have just brought this kid yeah. into the fold and said we're going to give you the name Alton Meyer because yeah. then you're going to look like my descendant and I'm going to look more important or whatever. But this is. On the one hand, this is cool because it gives you and I something to talk about in this very small and simple movie. <laughs> On the other hand, it's stuff that I want to know. Oh, totally. You but I, I like when a movie does that, though, where it doesn't give you everything and it makes you have conversations like this where you want to talk about, like, well, what did this mean? And, and why do you think we didn't get all of this? And, I mean, yeah, I'm still cheesed that we don't know as much as we do. Mm-hmm. But I also love the fact that it is causing a dialogue. Well, because, you know, if it, if we got our, our facts right and Calvin Meyer is Roy's father, then you have this really crazy dichotomy between their father-son relationship right. and the father-son relationship with Roy <laughs> and Alton because that is a beautiful relationship. Mm, that guy will do anything for that kid. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. You know, and, and it's, yeah, he's like, he, yeah, he's on the run. He's, a, he's now a fugitive from justice. He's got his face on like every Amber Alert in the region, which, you know, no man in the world wants that. Because the thing is, is that everybody automatically makes assumptions and you are in for a world of pain really quick. But he's like, I'm taking this on because I'm I'm taking my son out of this situation. And, you know, that's that's the thing, because you have this nice little parallel of letting go mm-hmm. right because that's basically what parenting is you, oh, yeah. you, you know you, you raise the kid you, up do, so much, and, and you do so much and then you gotta like release them out yeah. into the wild even though you don't really want to and that seems to be what Roy is having to do with Alton in this situation and what every sci-fi movie is you mentioned E.T. before mm-hmm. but what is E.T. but keeping him safe right. keeping him sheltered and then yeah, off he goes again. back to yeah. his little green planet yeah, now you're gonna make me cry <laughs> well, you know, sorry, spoilers for ET. Um, but we get a great conversation in this movie between oh, yeah. Alton and Roy, where Alton wants to say to him, "You don't have to worry, Dad." You know, like I know, right? Dad, 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 are you afraid? You don't have to worry. Yeah. And Alton spells it out. It's not exactly, it's not profound, but it's a very, very elegant way of saying, of spelling out parenting. And he goes, "I'm always going to worry. That's the deal." You know, the, 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 that's the way this goes. Is I'm oh, always, yeah. yeah, always going to work. Um, more to the family thing, in kind of a 
tangential way. Okay. We've got Adam Driver in this movie. Oh, so much fun. So, first of all, I should state, I was really late to the party on Adam Driver. I did not like him for a long time, and it's only because my introduction to him was... It was girls. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Mine too. I do not like that character. Um, I'm, under, I'm under the understanding that he got better, but his, his beginning in girls, I'm mm-hmm. like... Yeah. I can't stand you. I, if you were in the room, I would leave. And then he did more, and he did more, and he did other stuff, and it, it's great. You know, I'm, I'm happy that he exists. It's, 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 it's great that we live in a Kylo Ren world, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so in this movie, um, he's almost an older brother. See, I didn't see him that way. No? no. How did you see him? Because I, I literally, I was recast, I didn't recast everybody, but I saw so many parallels with like Starman and Close Encounters that I'm like, oh, he's Truffaut. He's, you know, Charles Martin Smith. But even then, is that role not the, cons- like, you know, the benevolent person on the other side of mm-hmm. the line, is that person kind of not like the uncle who wants to help you if you're arguing with your parents or the brother who wants to, you know, grease the wheels and get you something before you're ready? Yeah. Is that is that not that role? Maybe. I just, I never... You've never maybe thought about that role I, yeah, that way because maybe I've never had a big brother. Or I'm, well, no, neither. Yeah. Like I am, I, the, just, I am the old, but I had like older cousins. Yeah, I just I never saw it that way. But that was my, that might just be a commentary on my own family dynamic. <laughs> it could be, so. uh, like, but like any like cousins, anything like that, mm-hmm. uncles. I mean, I've got them, but I just I never saw. No, okay, no. So so then no, well, like you have them, yeah, you have them, but you never had that yeah. relationship. Um, that was what like I, I that was what I saw. It's like specifically Adam Driver as in this movie mm. because he's, you know, obviously he's much older than Alton. So it's not like he's, you know, his big brother, but he's younger than Shannon. Yeah. And there's a scene late where they're finally one on one. And I sensed a real fraternal bond in that scene. And like, that's why the scene plays out the way it does. Okay. And that's, that, that was my thing is I'm like, this guy seems to get this in a way that only somebody who could say, I'm on your side, I've been there, mm-hmm. you know, can do. Okay. No? I, I just didn't see it that way. I just saw him almost as almost as a stand-in for myself because I, I want to be that believer. I want to have that knowledge and I want to be the believer who kind of comes along and helps that kind of thing. But maybe not the main character. I'm the supporting character. Well, you're the... It's 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 crazy because you say the believer. And, you know, meanwhile, we've got a whole barn full of believers back oh, in, in, in Texas. But that's a it's, capital B. Well, it, yeah. It, you know, you're the you're the skeptical believer. Totally. You know, you're, you're not completely ready to let go of logic, but at the same time, you're ready to be proven wrong. Oh, yeah. That's you in this? I want to believe. Really? Okay. So, <laughs> thank you. Are, are, are you hoping for more episodes? That interview scene was great. Between yeah. uh, between yeah. Um, Paul, Paul and, and Alton. Yeah. 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 yeah, I love that. Well, that, that, that's staged really well. Oh, my God. You yeah. know, in yeah. a way that I don't even really want to tip no. off. No. Yeah. No. And I loved... I don't know... See... My girlfriend and I talked about it, and I'm sure it was on purpose because you know things like this in film are done on purpose. But the uh, the army guy who's with Paul mm-hmm. before that, you know, during that scene when they're all in the room, his name tag says Carpenter. I'm sure that's deliberate. Huh? Totally sure that's deliberate. You think that's like a little wink I to think John? That's a nod to John Carpenter. Totally think it's do, a nod. Do to you John think Carpenter. it's a? Do you think it's like a wink to Jesus or? Sure, <laughs> you know, could be. If it's is there if, another if one outside that says yeah. Shepherd, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I love that stuff. Um, you were telling me the way this film concludes. Oh, I loved it. It's I gotta be honest, like that was unexpected. Yeah. I it, it's the one moment where the film all of a sudden has a budget, <laughs> and just because it's yeah. this is the kind of film that you could do very very cheap oh totally and it's something that's actually handled really really nicely yeah. because we kind of we've come through this age of digital effects mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people who just reject digital effects and it, in a way you're kind of in that camp right like you want your you can use them absolutely you want your animatronics and I you want love your, practical effects there's a reason they look real I well yeah I dig them too yeah. but at the same time I'm not immediately going to write no. off oh no but there's there's this there's a way to do it and not have it look 
Like CG, yeah. Well, not have it look like CG, but use it to a purpose, right? Yes. I feel like there's a lot of times they don't do just, just spend it because it's on your budget. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, we don't need more monsters. No. We need one really scary monster, and that looks photo real. Yeah. yeah, and this is the the way it's used in this is really impressive. Yeah. You know, a couple times over because even before we get to this conclusion that we don't really want to tell people Ooh. about, there's an there's an incident where Alton. Um, kind of lets his power loose mm-hmm. and we see what he can do and it looks pretty damn scary you know it's it's kind of it's like yeah you're gonna see that from space <laughs> and yeah it's it's something that's not really expected in a movie like this um we haven't talked about kirsten dunst at all i loved i actually really liked her in this one for me because i had just recently watched the uh the Spider-Man series, okay. the Sam Raimi one, because that's on one of the lists I'm working on. Yeah, and I didn't like her in those. Whereas this one, I liked her because she got to play a grown-up. She was like yeah. an actual person, mm-hmm. as opposed to. And don't get me wrong, I love my comic book movies, but she's it was a, as a cardboard character in the Spider-Man movies. Whereas this, despite the fact that she's not in it for a long time, there's there's substance there, and she's she actually feels like a real person to me in this movie. She's really like the thing I liked is she internalizes a lot yeah. in this movie, you know. Like, like you can tell um even just by kind of like where they catch up with her mm-hmm. and what sort of shape she's in when they do. Like she looks she looks really tired yeah. deliberately, not in oh, like yeah. oh my gosh, she looks so tired. Yeah. Um she still got the, you know, she still has the look. Still has the look from, from the, the you know, yeah. yeah. She hasn't been out of that cult for very long. And you can tell that it's taken a the that the cult took a toll on her. Oh, totally. And losing the son, her son yeah. took a toll. Yeah. And just and the way that she talks to her son, the way that she talks to Roy yeah. as well, is all really, really interesting and very subtle. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. there's no like I am this boy's right? mother kind of kind there's of thing. None of that. None of, no. kind of, and we know that he stayed for two more years in the cult after she left him. Like I just want I was curious, like, how did their relation play out and what happened? And, I love the fact that there's this sense of history there for them. Yeah. In in all of, yeah, in every pocket, in every little interaction, you know, Joel Edgerton, who we haven't talked about at all either, mm-hmm. either he's going to the line for, for this guy, for, yeah. for Roy. Why? Right? Why? You know, yeah. why in the world would the you put yourself into this yeah. situation that's so risky? You know, that that's, let's be honest, child abduction yeah. that's going to carry a very, very happy stigma yeah. on you when you're done. What led him to that? Right, and I love all the stuff we learned. And about he's and he's a state trooper. Film. Yeah. Oh well, I was going to say that. But yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, well, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all the reveals about you know their history and who he is. I'm like, and as late as they come in the film, I love that because right up to then, I'm like, who is this guy? Why is why is he doing all this stuff? So, is I guess the question then is, is this lack of explanation? A hindrance, though. No, or, you're you're on board. For, for me, that. I'm all for it because it it requires the audience to engage. Okay, it's, you're not just being pandered to. You're not being given everything and said, "Here, this is the plot," for, and here's point A explained. As we go to point B, here's point B. Explained. No, it's you. You're in it. You are. You don't want it all spoon engaged. fed to you. No. You want to walk away and say, "Hey, how did? Yeah. How do these people know yeah. each other?" Because they're traveling, and you're traveling as well. Because you're putting it all together now you're not physically traveling but you're mentally traveling by you know on the journey with them and i love that well what it sounds like you're saying is you know we shouldn't be so conceited as to believe that just because we're coming into a story at a certain point that we have the whole story yeah you know shit happened before we got there yeah and shit's gonna happen after we leave i love that and yeah yeah we're we're just spending we're spending a few hours with these people oh no it's 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 really cool because as i said even though there's a few little moments here and there and just in comparison to some of the other stuff, it's it's leaving me with a lot, mm-hmm. you know. And it's yeah, it's 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 really really cool. This is the kind of sci-fi that I really go for. This yeah. low budget primer mm-hmm. moon, uh, you know, like this kind of stuff. I love that you threw primer out there because that's a complex film. <laughs> oh my god, that movie is so weird. Uh, you, you know, yeah, Moon. Uh, moon is brilliant. Some of the stuff yeah. we're going to talk about. This is the kind of like almost deceptive sci-fi. That I really, really yeah. dig, and I kind of wish that they would make more of because it's kind of cheap too. Oh yeah, you know, like this movie wasn't expensive. not in a bad way. No, no, no cheap in, in terms of like budget. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and you know we were we, like we talked about quite a few of them we're gonna talk about more but this is the kind of movie I really wish we would get more of totally it's kind of it's a big budget Twilight Zone yeah you know yeah in, well, in a way maybe in this case it's more of a big budget Outer Limits because you kind of already know that oh he's special and there's gonna lead to a special ending oh okay whereas the Twilight Zone would give you a twist at the end ah, it's, it's, yeah. obviously one of us has not watched enough Twilight Zone I don't know which one of it is <laughs> I got, who could it be? <laughs> uh, well, we end every review here on the Matinee Cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible, hmm. um, that if you could take it away from this movie and keep, you would. Tim's still thinking, so I am hmm. going to say it for myself. I want someone to talk Superman comics with me. <laughs> the, there's a great little scene where yeah, Roy is in the back seat and he's reading Superman comics and he just hollers out, what's kryptonite? And um, <laughs> Lucas tells him that it's the only thing that can kill Superman. Yeah. And I just, you know, I sometimes feel like I'm the only person left who likes Superman. And I just wish oh, I had somebody to, I wish I had somebody to talk about uh, Superman Aww. comics. And nobody does. Aww. You don't even want to do it. You're like, yeah, go. You're like, pipe down and... Yeah, that's my souvenir. I love the scene where he talks about comic books. Yeah, it was a good scene. And they, and they worry, and they actually worry that it's too much for him to handle. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't um, think my parents ever had that discussion. No, <laughs> mine didn't have a few discussions. Yeah. That was just one of them. After the initial reveal of you know the thing at the end. Yeah, I loved all of that. I loved like I would I would live there. If that's oh, what we see much. in the end. Yeah, what we yeah what we yeah. see in the end. I haven't really seen something like that before. Well, I, lo- I love that they're willing to. I I want the, uh, I want to just I want to just well, there's that, but I want to just walk around mm. what we see in the end yeah, because that totally. that's that's a really really intricate and interesting design yeah. on something that could be very very linear. And you know for a fact that there's a reason for everything that's on that screen. Yeah. So there's a reason. It's shaped like it is. There's a reason there's plants here, but there's not plants here. I love that people still have no idea what we're talking about, too. Because we're, you know, yeah. Um, There is a movie that it did remind me of, but I'll tell you that later. So, okay, maybe uh, we rate on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Tim, right out. What do you give? Oh, one to four stars. One to four stars. What do you give Jeff Nichols' Midnight Special? Three and a half. Three and a half, all right. I give it a three. I liked sure. it a lot. I'm yeah. probably going to like it more the more I think about it right now. As I said, in if, if for me, Mud and Take Shelter are like, holy totally crap, wow, that. it's yeah. just a bit below that. Yeah. But I I'm think gonna... as years go on, it's going to be... I See, and this is what bothers me. I don't think it's going to do big box office. This is a, mo- a lot of people are going to come to this movie. Yeah. But a lot I of people are going to find people. it. Yeah. yeah. And I think as and the years go on, it'll be thought of very kindly yeah I think that's very what's cool. gonna happen maybe we're wrong maybe you're one of the people who hates Midnight Special One. maybe you're one of the people who absolutely loves it and think that we're being far too hard on it let me know Ryan at the matinee.ca Twitter where I'm matinee underscore ca or facebook.com slash dark matinee uh, we're gonna take a quick break and turn the record over to play the other side come on back right after this we're gonna talk about another movie Tim's choice for the other side to go along with Midnight Special took a little bit of thinking, a little bit of cajoling, a little bit of arm Cajole. Uh A little bit of uh, audibles because we've talked about some of the movies that we would automatically pair this up with uh, after 156 episodes of this show. Uh, but eventually we came around to a film that Tim adores. I had not even seen. Which boggles the mind. I know. Well, you boggles. know. Uh, a film from 1984 directed by John Carpenter. Uh, Tim married up Starman uh, with Karen Allen and uh, Jeff Bridges. Um, about uh, an alien comes down to Earth and takes the form of uh, a, a woman's dead husband. Yeah. And basically it just becomes a story to get him to safety first of all for him to like establish i mean you no harm in the classic trope because karen allen is really freaking out something right? fierce that's in a the great scene as one would yeah um I, I think that was the thing that i i will get there but uh, that was the, the you know she she really freaks out um and then wants to help him um yeah i get the feeling that in the movies we get that quick freak out and then everything kind of settles really quick. And mm-hmm. Karen Allen, uh, her character's name is uh, Jenny in this movie. Jenny is freaked for a long oh ass time. Yeah. Like, and yeah. she's even going along with yeah. it. But still and she's to get... nervous the entire time. She's worried the entire time. And I 
feel like that's the kind of thing we don't see a lot of in a movie. Yeah. Like people, like you know, like you said, people want to believe. Yeah. But at the same time, there's wanting to believe and there's being naive. Oh, totally. And I feel like she's on she's on the more you know wants to believe, but holy crap, this yeah. makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, did you like? Did you come to this movie at time of release, or how did you first come to Starman? Yeah. Oh, I. I was uh, yeah, I was eighty four. Yeah, so I saw it the year it came out. Okay. Uh, even had the novelization because that's what I did when I was a kid. I read the novels of all the. I movies. did that too. Yeah. So much. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. And even at that age, it resonated with me in a huge way. How so? It's just it was like because I, I is eighty four, so we're just coming off ET. Mm-hmm. There's a whole deluge of kind of friendly alien movies. Yeah. And it just. Is this before or after Mac and Me? I want to say before. I think Mac and Me was 86. I think so, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'd be but, uh, Go on. But it just... Uh, it was it was my second introduction to Jeff Bridges because Tron, obviously. But uh, it was his performance in this film just kind of struck a nerve somewhere. I'm like, I would, I would help this guy. You know, I just wanted to be... I didn't want to be Jenny, but I didn't want to be... I, once again, I think I was a Charles Martin Smith character. I, hmm. I would want to help. Okay. Yeah. I uh, so I watched this for the first time last night. I was prepared to hate. Thank because... you very much because my recommendations suck. No, it's not that they <laughs> suck. It's that there's a lot of these '80s movies that don't hold oh, up totally. as well as you. Okay, yeah. so let me steer you towards something else that I know you know very very well right. and did not exactly come on your recommendation, but kind of did. Um, and that's the last Starfighter. I love that. I know you do, and you know what? It's okay. It's not great. It's, what? It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Right. Starfighter, you have been no. <laughs> and I watch. I watch that because you talked up Armada to me, mm. and I'm like, well, I gotta watch the last Starfighter before okay. I read Armada. And then I actually kind of, I, I kind of screwed myself twice over because not only is Last Starfighter only just okay, but then Armada. Wait, wait. Oh, wait. This gets better. But then Armada <laughs> is just Last Starfighter all over again, which it acknowledges. Uh, but yeah. I'm like, oh, I just, I, I know this story. <laughs> so you kind of went over two with the span of the weekend. But I was, but just basically also just with a lot of these '80s movies, I feel like there's, um, there's a you had to be there to to quite a few of them, yeah. as there is for any generation. Yeah. I don't think this is one of them. Though. It's not. No. This is a grand, fan, like awesome movie. Yeah. And like you said, I think a lot of it is a lot of it is Karen Allen, mm-hmm. first of all, because she's really, really doing a lot of things in this movie. She's like she's trying to get over her dead husband, yeah. and she then gets right in front of him. Right. And she's <laughs> and, and on the one hand, she's ecstatic because because he's back. Well, because here's a person who she spends her nights watching old film of. I know, that's so sad when she's You know, and, and looking at old photos. Like, she is really not over him. No. We're told that he's been dead for a year. She is nowhere close to ready to move on. And she wears that. Kind of like we were talking about with Christian Dunst. And then on the other hand, she knows that this is not possible. You know, she doesn't, like, full-on go for, oh my god, you're back! Yeah. The, the, the skeptical part in her brain is like, this is not happening. Yeah. And she is really freaked out for a long time. So I loved Karen Allen in this movie. And it actually made me really sad that there aren't more Karen Allen movies. Um, there's not a lot of... Like, don't get me wrong. She's not dead or nothing. There, there yeah. will be... there. Hopefully there will be more. She just doesn't have a long track yeah. record. Um, and Jeff Bridges in this movie is off the hook. Because yeah. he's basically a walking, talking bird. You know, like every... His character moves. He... Physically moves in ways I have never seen Jeff Bridges move right? before. I don't know if he could do it again if he tried. Like if you did a sequel next year, I don't know if he could do this shit. Well, again. there is a remake coming apparently. Uh, why? Why? Just, just uh, yeah. like I, okay. <laughs> I mean, you can gussy up the effects. I think that's the thing is I believe this story mm. holds really well. Oh yeah, that I you could retell the story a few different ways. Yeah. Um. The, the other thing I noticed about this movie that I really dug, and I was thankful that you pointed me towards it, and the way actually it makes a nice little marriage to um, Midnight Special, is that I love the way that sci-fi has become the wrapping paper for family stories. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, and, yeah. and that kind of thing. I guess it was, that was on... When you saw Starman, that must have kind of hit you a little bit? or I was, well, I was 12-ish. 
when you first saw it. So yeah. well, that's the cool thing. Yeah. Is like you're you're at the point where it's not j- like where it's it's all kind of starting to make a little bit more sense. Yeah, it was at that point where I don't I, you know I will always love Star Wars totally. I will always love space opera, but this was sci-fi that had like it has a heart. There's a, there's an actual you know touching message to it. It's not just blowing up spaceships or whatever. It's there's you know that yeah there could be somebody out there and sure some of them could be bad but hey some of them can be really good well and all it like it takes something that's very very expansive like the idea of outer space yeah. which is bloody huge and makes it very personal oh yeah you know you you, you wouldn't imagine that 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 could happen or it's, it's kind of like um the, the very first film that we talked about when we did the other side as a feature on right. the show was uh was contact oh, I love that and movie. You know, put your fingers in your ears if you've never seen Contact. Because I'm going to talk about the very end of that movie. But I know there are people who hated the fact that the what? end of that movie ends with her having a conversation with her dad. You know, I it's love like you, that. I know because and it makes sense. Well, it make, not only does it make sense, but it takes something like such an inconceivably grand idea. You keep using that word. <laughs> <laughs> and makes it personal, and I think that's what yeah. these kind of movies do oh, so yeah. well. Right, and that was yeah. I was so, so so thankful that you pointed me towards this movie. And I was like, I don't know, it's my whole world order is going sideways. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the other thing. It's almost this is going to seem like the strangest movie to pair it with, but the other movie I thought about because it comes from the same year is mm. the Terminator. Okay, mostly in his movements, the way he's learning. Sure. Uh, like that, what, especially what that franchise would become. Terminator was the same year, but like, did you kind of see that a little bit in the whole? I didn't at the time. No, I'd, I'd have to watch them. I think back to back just to kind of get what you're saying. I'm <laughs> not saying it's not there. Yeah, I'm just saying I. It might have been in the effects. Well, that's the other crazy thing is if you take away the scene where he uh, he basically like gives birth, mm-hmm. you know, like where he goes from being a baby to being a full grown yeah. man. I almost wouldn't believe that this is a John Carpenter movie, right? It's a complete... Did he ever do anything else like this? Wow, I can just start name-dropping now. Well, no, because uh, I... Because well, we interviewed... You're, you're, I was going to say, you're much more versed in the Carpenter mm. than I am because you've met him. Well, no, I haven't met Carpenter. We met Karen Allen, though. Oh, okay. And, and we chatted literally about this film and, of course, Carpenter. And Carpenter, for the most part, sticks to, like, the horror kind of spooky genre. And, yeah. and Karen Allen was anxious at first because... She couldn't get through any of Carpenter's movies because they were too scary. Ah. So he hasn't kind of done a sci-fi film like this before or since, which is too bad because he's got a nice touch on it. That's like that's really like. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Why do you think he just had this moment of doing this and just never came back? Because it's not even his script. No. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. So what? I'm gonna have to dig into like somebody's gonna have to come up with a Carpenter like book like biography and let me read it because I want to know how he came to it yeah it, it's 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 not that it stands apart from everything else that he does it's just that it stands so apart yeah it's in like a great way like and, and at the same time it really fits mm-hmm you know? it's still kind of still sci-fi yeah. it's you've got that evolution yeah. at the beginning you've got the whole yeah. fish out of water thing I mean it doesn't even do the music for it which is another carpenter trait Troy. it's yeah. almost like he was a hired gun like if I didn't Maybe. know better yeah. I'd think that that uh, was it Warner? I think was this movie Columbia. Columbia. I, I almost think that they just hired him just yeah. to do his thing. Maybe. Oh man, I yeah, no. So that I'm my, my, so glad you enjoyed yeah, my, it. My takeaway is that I'm so happy uh, because I watched it after the next movie that we're going to talk about. I did not like the next movie. We're going to talk about <laughs> nearly as much as I used to. So um, come on back after this. We'll tell you what that movie is and uh, wrap up the show right after this. All around me are familiar faces, worn out places, worn out faces, bright and early for the daily races, going nowhere, going nowhere. For my choice to the other side, I went back to 2001. I went with a low-budge sci-fi that has become very much a cult classic for a certain generation. Directed by Richard Kelly, it's Donnie Darko, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Maggie Gyllenhaal, 
Oh, lots of other people. Seth Rogen's in this movie. Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze, of course. Drew Barrymore. Barrymore, Noah (laughs) Wiley. A lot of people. Mary McDonald? Yeah. Mary McDonald's the mother. Jenna Malone? Is the Darko mother. Jenna Malone, who still doesn't age. I swear to God, Jenna Malone is big. Of course. You can't have Jake Gyllenhaal without Mandy Gyllenhaal. Um. You, we were talking. We were trying to figure out a movie to marry up with this. And as I said, we threw out stuff like, we threw out stuff like Looper and Primer mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And we ended up on Donnie Darko because of the low budge indie sci-fi that sure. I was talking about before. And you said to me when we had this conversation, you like movies like this that are about metaphysics. Yeah. What do you like about them? It's going to sound weird. It's going to be partly. Hobbit related. Oh god, you've lost me already. No, it's it's because if you read the books, I have Hobbits like to hear things that they already know. <laughs> okay. So when it comes to stuff like where they're start hinting at quantum physics and metaphysics, I'm like, oh, I know this bit. So this should happen, and I like being engaged that way. Okay. So I, that's what I like about you know these kind of films is like, oh yeah. So if they're talking about this. And I start going through my brain. What do I know about this? Okay, so theoretically, this should happen, and this is why this should happen. And I love that kind of aspect to it because I like hearing stuff that I know. We kind of regurgitate it back to me in a new way. Is it kind of like when somebody asks me a question about baseball? Totally. Okay, that's okay. So, totally so when somebody like steers the conversation, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. So then, so then you like. I guess the cool thing about it is that lends itself to movies that other people kind of get twitchy with. Like, you probably really dug stuff. Like you probably really dug Interstellar for a whole other oh reason. Oh my god, I love Interstellar. You know, or, or um, you know, not to get too Nolan, but also like Inception mm-hmm. and uh, Matrix. Oh yeah. And, okay. Yeah. All right. Because yeah, I love that whole metaphysical level to it. So then, metaphysically, does this movie make sense? Because <laughs> I rewatched it yesterday for the first time in a long time, and I even watched the director's cut that spells oh, out stuff yeah. a little bit more clearly. Yeah. And, and you're still like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's I, a lot of that. Did, it was, is, is, so it's not just me? Oh, no. No, oh. I mean, there's still stuff. I'm like, huh. <laughs> like what? I, there's just, like, well, I love the whole, you know, the whole. Chest tube, chest tube abyss, worm water monster thing. thing. Yeah, I love that stuff because, you know, it suggests, you know, the flow of time. and all that. It's just. The flow of time out of one's chest? Yeah. How? Yeah. Wait, what? Because you're traveling all along that path. That is your temporal path. Okay. Yeah, that kind of shit I love. Okay. I dig. I see. Um, you, but we have to visualize this, or we can't just well, walk the path? you can't. Some people need to be fed these things. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, all right. <laughs> but I get why. I was like, that's cool. And there are little bits that I like, and you know, the whole vortex thing is cool. But yeah, I, I kind of have to agree with you, though, that it doesn't stand up as well. As it, as it used to. I don't think the sequel was terrible. I didn't even bother. S. Darko. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't. So it's just, I don't know. I think at that time when it came along, something like that hadn't been done before. So I yeah. think that's why it kind of popped. And it marries... And Frank is weird. Let's be honest. Frank is weird. Frank is really weird. Like, yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I don't know in what reality one listens to the Right, the man scary, of the scary, scary rabbit. rabbit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. I like. I would. I would expect. You know, if you're gonna listen to him, he's gonna be something like looking way more benign. But I mean, then again, but did it all happen in the first place? Because you know, it all happens over this timeline that doesn't even exist now. Yeah. Well, there, there's that, and it's, it's, it's. Tr- it almost feels like it's the opposite of Midnight Special in that it's trying to do too much. Like all of those parses. Yeah. That Midnight Special left out of the narrative. Yeah, Donnie Darko makes oh, great you make sure pains that you know to include yeah. in the narrative, yeah. and I'm like, by over-explaining, you're leaving yourself open yeah. to more problems. You're, you know, you're answering questions, and I'm left with six more questions. Yeah, and I don't know if either I just didn't notice it before, or if it's been 15 years and I'm just you know older and more cynical or what. But watching it yesterday, I'm like, why does this feel like more of a chore? Now and feels like like one thing I will say it felt far less fresh than it did the first time I saw it. I I really felt that it felt kind of like very very stale, Um, which is really crazy. Can you even remember the last time you saw it? Because because we were talking like you didn't get a chance to rewatch it for the show. It has to be like five or six years easily, and even yeah, and even I'm like it just it didn't hold up. Which is which is crazy because you probably saw it around the same time I did, like yeah. like around the time it came out, and you were like, yeah. "Wow, this is yeah, fantastic!" This is and it was one of those ones where I was in the 
you know, working in the video store at the time, so it was one of those ones that, you know, we recommended. Yeah. You, you have to be careful who you recommend it to. Like, <laughs> like the college kids and the university kids. Oh, man, they would hate that up. Yeah. Take it. You love yeah. it. Um, now, the one thing I was, I was kind of struck by when I did rewatch it yesterday, do you, okay, so there, a movie like this will drop in references to kind of use as a device. Yep. And um, specifically books. Like in, in Midnight Special, we get Superman. In this movie, we get Watership Down, and mm. we get the Graham Greene book. In Upstream Color, we get the we get Walden by Thoreau. Yeah. Do you like when a movie drops in those clues as kind of a kind of a Rosetta Stone for what it's trying to say, or do you think that that's copying mm. to something that's making somebody do some work, or you know something to that effect? See, I, I'm kind of divided because okay. I love the fact that you know, especially if it's something, well, either that it's a book I know or a comic I know, or if it's not, and it kind of then inspires me to go get that. Oh, well, it'll always inspire like, me to do that. I am yeah. really, really bad. So that I like. You know, I am, I yeah, that's like, oh, what? There's a book I haven't read? Right? Send me, tell me stuff. more. Yeah. So, yeah. sorry, sorry, go on. So, I kind of like that, and I don't, I don't feel that they're copying out so much as, you know, they're, they're definitely giving a touchstone, for sure, for, you know, somebody like, okay, if you don't understand what's going on, it's kind of Superman-ish, or, you know, at least... At least in Midnight Special's case, they went with Superman as opposed to going with, you know, a Christ metaphor. Sure. Which is good. Which, you know, Superman himself is a Christ exactly. metaphor. Exactly. So but I'm, I was much happier with the Superman metaphor yeah. as opposed to going right back to, you know, let's go back to, you know, Christ. And yeah. Yes, I'm using air quotes there, by the way. Um. <laughs> it's an audio medium, too. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, in, in, you know, in Donnie Darko, they use the Destructors yeah. and they use Watership Down yeah. and... On the one hand, I was thinking, yeah, okay, hey, cool, i got to add the destructors right, and watch yeah. it. But at the same time, I think it's a fine line. Oh, you have to be careful. Um, between, a sh- you know, like Lost loved Ugh. to do that. They, yeah. they, they, you know, they would drop their books in, and, people, and like the fans would just go crazy. Yeah. Oh, I, went this out, I went out and got Bad Twin because of that, and oh, that was I'm terrible. Oh, I'm still trying to forget <laughs> about Bad Twin. But I mean, like, okay, I got, one of the ones that I got was The Chosen. Mm. Which is a story between um, like two two boys that are both studying um, in uh, in Hebrew school, like towards being a rabbi. Okay. Okay. And they, they the two kids, the two boys, very much have a Locke and Ben Linus relationship. Um, you know, I, I dug seeing that in in that kind of way, but at the same time, I didn't feel like homework. I didn't feel like to understand this episode of yeah. Lost, go and read go The read Chosen yeah. and explore that which we felt too lazy to do. The more you read. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do you think maybe we've just grown out of this movie? That it's too angsty and too early 20s, late teens? I don't know. See, that just makes and it's just not old. our movie. No, well, we are. You know, I don't know if you looked in the mirror lately, but we're mm-hmm. both going gray. Going? Um, yeah, well, there's, I'm, I've just got the one little... I'm supposed to... It's silver, salt, salt it's and pepper, gray, right? Yeah, it's silver. But I mean, you know, I wonder if we pointed some of the younger followers. I don't think they like it. No, no. Why? I don't know. There's just something. About, I think it was. You think the movie's aging, not I, us? Yeah. Well, think, we are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think the movie is aging faster. I think there's an alternate reality where it's already old and dead and buried. Really? Yeah. I hope. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's actually one of the things. Like, I, I kind of want to like get. I don't know who the, you'd give it to though. I got younger people who are doing blind spot series that have never seen a lot sure. of like late nineties movies. Yeah, I want sure. to. I want to know what they think. Okay. Yeah. That's that. That's actually exactly what I'm gonna do. Yeah. So I really um, do. You know, my my takeaway from this movie because this was my recommendation and I kind of regret that is <laughs> less is more explanation wise. Okay. You know, I would rather at the end of the, I know that people say that you're supposed to show don't tell and I know that people say that it's bad storytelling to leave this stuff alone but I'm like you know what just let me fill in my own blanks I mean that's I think that's part of storytelling that has gotten lost is that you need everybody wants everything spoon fed to them and I like when a movie doesn't do that I I want to think like shit we even got that in the Star Wars movie you know, like as we, much as I love it, it's very true. No, no, no. But I mean, in Force Awakens, there yeah. was a great, big, gaping question of how much crap did Han, Leia, and Luke go through right. after Endor? To because it's certainly up, because it certainly seems like life got really bad really quick. Right. You know, and we don't explore yet. We have not explored right. any of it. We may not. 
Yeah. Or we may explore just a little bit of it. And you know what? I dig that. Meanwhile, you get something like Donnie Darko that wants to explain yeah, every last little thing. Yeah. And I don't I think that care. ruins the magic and the mystery of totally it. Totally does. Yeah. Ruins my engagement with it. You know, so. I'd rather just that hidden mystery because that was like using Star Wars as the example. That was the thing as a kid, whereas you went out and you played because you know, is Luke Skywalker really Darth Vader's son? I mean, we had three years of that where we didn't Spoilers, know the answer. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> also, they blow up the Death Star. I don't know. Oh my it. God! It's just so, all good. And I love that you, that fires the imagination, and not all the movies nowadays are willing to do that. They no. Want to, no, so. no. Um, yeah, so obviously we think everybody should go out and watch Starman. Totally. We certainly think everybody should go out and watch Midnight Special. Skip Donnie Darko unless you've never seen it and you're young, in which case, watch it. Smoke a doob and man, watch it. Not even. No, just watch it and tell me how it goes. <laughs> that is episode 156 of the Matinee Cast. Come on back Monday, April 25th mm. for episode 157. I think we'll be discussing demolition on that Ooh. episode. Uh, Tim can be found at the Mind Reels and the Mind Reels podcast. On the site. Uh, hot Docs coverage coming up. Hot Docs coverage is coming up. Uh, I am in the middle right now of a huge Planet of the Apes Film Festival, uh, which is a lot of fun. Nice. Um, and what Do we have else? a new one this year? Or new I think it's next, next year. year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're always and I can easily say, watch all of them except for the Tim Burton one. There's even things about the Tim Burton one that I like. Oh, there are, me too, Estella Warren. Yeah, um, but I, but I, you know, I don't, I don't suggest. Anybody. But it doesn't have the social commentary that the no, other films do. No, no, and it's quite obviously setting itself up for a franchise that just did not right? happen. Right? Yeah. Uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? At MindRails. Nice. Yeah. My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Pocket Cast, Apple's Podcast app, and the iTunes Store. Everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Midnight Special, Starman, or Donnie Darko can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email Ryan at thematinee.ca. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash darkmatinee, or Twitter, matinee underscore CA. Yes. And I just want to say if anybody else has any recommendations for, like, you know, Midnight Specials slash Starman mm. kind of films, yeah, I want to hear Please. about it. Yeah, I, I, I really I, do. As I said, this is, this is my, kind of, yeah. my kind of stuff, so throw them my way, and I will definitely watch them. For now, though, for Tim, I'm Ryan, and we'll see you at the matinee. Sister